Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Voice by Matt show. This is Matt Bertho, your host. Today, I have a very special guest, Mr. Jeremiah Sullivan. Hello, Jeremiah. Matt, what up, dude? Great to be here. Excited to bring some value and help out the audience, my man. Oh, yeah. So, Jeremiah, uh, I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I'm not going to do it justice because you, uh, you're you such a amazing, like, badass entrepreneur, coach, leader, uh, former special ops. Like, you, you are and, – and I think that the coolest part about Jeremiah, guys, is, like, he really cares about people. He's not a, a scammer. He's not a schemer. Like, he delivers. He, he is a guy as a coach. Like, if he has an event, he is running with you. He's working out with you. He is in pain with you. And I think that's another cool part about you, Jeremiah, is that on social media, you show when you lose. You show yeah. when you fail. You show when you're beat up. Yep. You know? You guys that know anything about wrestling or any kind of martial arts, he's got he's got the 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 cauliflower ear rocking too. So yep. you know that he's been through some battles. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Jeremiah. Yeah, bro. Thanks for having me. Um, you said you said my intro. You want the short version or the long version? <laughs> I want the long version, man. Oh man. Um, well, I think I appreciate the intro, dude. Um. For, for anybody that's listening, you know, I, I want to start this off by uh, by bringing up really two things. One, you know, Matt did introduce me as a coach, but I'm I am I, I see myself as a player coach. Like I'm in the game with you. I'm not sitting on the sidelines, kind of resting on some of my previous accomplishments and sharing historical data with you. You know what I mean? Historical lessons. I'm trying to share those lessons and then apply myself to continue to level up and share those that come along with it. So. Um, one is I'm a player coach and number two, uh, any success that I've had has come from just massive failures. You know, I, uh, I see myself as a person that has a lot of grit and I'm, I was never the smartest person. I was never the fastest person, the most talented person, but I can, I can show up and I can be consistent more than most people. And, um, I also like to describe myself as a, as a recovering C player. You know, there's, there's a players in life, there's B players in life, and then there's C players in life. A players are like your rock stars, right? Um, C players are people that check out, they show up late, they leave early. They don't really want to be there. And they're basically cogs in a machine. And I did, I used to be one of those and I turned my life around and uh, I started taking life very, very seriously. I started dream chasing and accomplished some great things in my, my military career, accomplished some great things in entrepreneurship, but all of that came through just the relentless pursuit of of chasing success through failure. So um, that's the once over, Matt. You can, we can dive in any direction that you'd like, my man. No, I love it because uh, I've known Jeremiah since 2019. That's crazy. Yeah. It, I mean, it does not seem like that long. I know. It's going fast. Something happened in between there called COVID that kind of made everything a blur. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, Jeremiah is an amazing friend. Um, every time I get a text from Jeremiah, it's always really, really profound. Like, Hey, Matt, tell me about this. I think, uh, one of the ones that made me laugh a little bit was on the whoop band. You were like, how the heck do you get your HRV so high? And I was like, well, this is what I'm doing. Uh, I've been, I've been rocking the whoop band lately, but my recovery has been 
trash. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I love the Whoop band, but I also hate it sometimes. Because I'll wake up, I'll be like, that was a great sleep. And the Whoop band's like, no, that was a terrible sleep. I know, it's like, do better. It's always telling you, it's always talking shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but Jeremiah uh, is a good friend. Um, he is, uh, I think he's, you know, he says he's one of the most consistent people. I agree with that. I'm one of the most consistent people also. Damn, yeah, um, you are. We, uh, you know, we did the Goggins thing. And I remember Jeremiah was very key for myself on that and Nathan. Yeah. Um, when we were doing the Goggins 48. And yeah. I remember when I finished, he was like, see, see what you can do, man. Like, yep. You're just cracking the code a little bit. Like, yeah. you, you, there's so much more. Um, yeah, well, I think that was around 2019 or so, if I remember right. 2020, maybe. Yeah, okay, so right March. after that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, when I, I don't know how the listeners are with their friends and their network and stuff like that, but we all get introduced to a lot of people in life, and you have a, you know, responsibility to build a dream team around you if you want to succeed right like that like that's the truth if you want to go fast you go alone if you want to go further you go together and so for myself i uh i'm a little bit of an introvert big well i say a little bit i'm a big time introvert but what i try to do to build my team is i look around and i'm always assessing people hmm. i'm always like seeing where people are at and seeing whether or not i should bring them in and I, that sounds kind of conceited but honestly, I'm just selective about who I bring in because we've all had people in our life that were dragging us down and not pulling us up. And so when I when I met you, Matt, and then just like when I met Nathan, and and what I do with most people is I observe and I watch and I say, listen, I'm going to be cool to you. I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to connect with you. I'm going to be. I'm going to help you as much as I can. But am I going to bring you in? Hmm. And I sit back and I wait. And I watch that person show up. I watch how they show up for themselves. I watch the results in their life. And when they do something like the David Goggins 4 by 48 and I watch them push through, I don't care if they pass or if they fail. I watch their, how they show up for the event. And when I see somebody pushing and challenging themselves and they, they, they choose to do that, you know, voluntary suffering, hmm. uh, that creates respect with me. And I, that's the type of people that I want to surround myself by and, that's why you and I are connected because I have respect for you, just like I have respect for uh, Nathan, some of the other people that we've we've talked about offline. Yeah. Um, but I think that's an important lesson for everybody here: is you got to pay attention to who's on your team, man. You know, I, I you it's it's a good thing to do to bring people along with you, but too many people are out there in life are grabbing on to people that just want to weigh them down. They're going to talk shit. They're going to be negative. They're not going to be improving on themselves. And they're going to spend a lot of energy and time trying to influence and impact these people who do not want to go along with you. Stop chasing, stop pulling those people and find the people, recruit your friends, recruit your dream team and build a damn success team that can get you to your goal and stop being pulled down by those naysayers and those quitters, man. That's all, that's what I have to say about that piece, dude. Yeah, it's hard because some of them are your friends and family, Yeah, right? And yeah. some of the people that you grow up with. You know, how many of our friends that we grew up with gradually, especially as we started making ourselves better, started to completely vanish? Yeah, yeah, it's part what? of the growing pains. Yeah, and we try to take them with us. We'd be like, hey, we're going on this run. You want to come? Yeah. yeah, let's do it, blah, blah, blah. They might show up once. Yeah. And then they don't show up, and you get, you get, you get upset because you're like, 
man, I really could have helped them. Yeah. Um, I remember I had a family member when I did 75 hard for the first time, I was seeing these crazy results. And I was like, man, you gotta do this. There's this guy, David Goggins, you gotta read this book, Can't Hurt Me, it's so badass. And my family member said, no, nah, I'm good, I'm comfortable. Yep. I've settled, I'm good. Yeah, like, there's a there's a place for those people, you know. They're just not the ones that you want around you for achieving your goal. They they no. they bring a different type of value to you, and um, you can you can still have a relationship with those people. Just understand their purpose in life. It's not it's not for your goal achievement. It's not for that big picture that you're after. Uh, it's it's for something else, you know. So Jeremiah, segue. You said it. What's Jeremiah's purpose in life? <laughs> well, yeah. So I uh. It's to bring more good in the world and help others achieve their best. That's what that's that? my purpose in life. And so basically, um, I think good in the world. What what does that mean? It means I, what I want to do is like, what did Gandhi say? He said, "Be the change that you want to see." Right. Mm -hmm. And I think at first, I think as we dive into this, I think it's important that everybody has a mission that they're after in life because when you create a mission, the whole world gets filtered through that mission. You can be more intentional with what decisions that you make you know whether you go left or you go right because everything's congruent with the vision it's like kobe bryant said you know he said that he obsessed about basketball ever since he was a kid and he saw the whole world through basketball right he would he would watch youtube and he would he would read a book and everything was about how he could get better at basketball so when you put on that lens with your mission your vision your purpose the whole world gets filtered through that and you can you can get there quicker and, and life becomes more meaningful so for me, my, my mission is to bring more good in the world and help others achieve their best. And the reason what that means is more good in the world means more positive, optimistic people that are going to conquer life. Mm. You know, I, I often say life is not meant to be lived. It's meant to be conquered. Mm. And I think that there's a lot of poor performing people out there, poor leaders, and it's a byproduct of, of our economy. Like it's, we, we, we do it to ourselves. Like we go to work. We we every, most people in life they go to they, they live in this doom loop. They go to work, they clock in, they bitch, they complain, they come home, they freaking sit on the couch, they turn on the TV, they crack a beer, they complain, they talk about how they're tired, they go to sleep, they wake up, and they do that same loop over and over and over again. And so for me, when I say bring more good in the world, it's removing and eradicating that problem of poor performing people. You know, people that are just drifting in life. I hate seeing that. And I think the reason why I hate it so much is because at one point in life, that used to be me. Yeah. You know, I, I quit on my dream, my dreams early on in life. And uh, I took a long, I took a lot of work, a lot of self-work, a lot of self-mastery to enroll, re-enroll myself in my dream and my purpose and get back on track. And, and when I found that, um, life really started unfolding for me. How did you find that? Um, so I grew up in a small town of like 300 people. Uh, for context, right? Is that like more is of a, really small. Yeah. It's like, that, yeah. Oh yeah. It's like more like a village. That it's is a village. village. Yeah. You knew and, everybody. Uh, what's up? You knew everybody. Yeah. I knew everybody. And my life now is a lot different, right? I've been featured in Forbes magazine, entrepreneur magazine. Uh, I got my podcast. I, uh, I've, I've worked with some exceptional mentors. Like, like you mentioned, I've served in the special operations community, um, collapse my multiple, multiple goals to, to just, you know, it would take most people decades. I've done it in years. And, um, anyways, I, sh I share all that because I really, I come from nothing. That town of 300 people, 
And um, my, I kind of had like a Tarzan type of upbringing. What? Where I was in, I was raised in Northern California. My dad used to uh, hunt to put food on the table. He used to, we used to hunt bear in the winter. Uh, we used to fish all the time. We would hunt deer and we didn't really have the internet or we had a little bit of television, but um, most of our time was spent outside playing in the woods as a kid. Whoa. Um, my parents, my parents have been together since they were 15 years old. They, they, uh, have been running around since they were just in their teens and still together. They're still together to this day. Man, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, but they've, they, you know, the story of, of, of Jeremiah Sullivan is that the, my parents getting together, started dating at 15 and they ended up settling. They wanted to get out of the city and they wanted to, my dad really wanted to live off the land, kind of like the movie, Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah. Okay. So he wanted to live. He found this place in Northern California, town of 300 people. And they. Brothers, my oldest brother has down syndrome and uh, my parents have been together since they're 15. Go ahead. Can you go back to the 300? Because for some reason, my internet just messed up a little bit. I can go back yeah, yeah. and edit it later. Um, but go back to the town of 300. Your dad decided to move there. Okay. Yeah. So so I come from a town of about 300 people. My parents grew up in the Bay Area. My dad was uh, born and raised in Oakland. And my mom was raised in the San Leandro area. But they wanted to get out of the city. and they found this little town in Northern California called Trinity center. And they ended up raising me and my three brothers in that small town. The whole reason was because my dad, he wanted to get out of the city and he wanted to live a life kind of like Jeremiah Johnson, who was a mountain man that got away from the city to go live off the land. And, um, that's exactly what he did. You know, my parents, they were hard workers, um, had multiple jobs. My dad was a, he was kind of an entrepreneur to be honest, a lot of odd jobs. Um, but one of the things that he did, was he started bear hunting in Northern California when we were kids. And he would do that for food, but food on the table, but he would also do it to make some additional cash. He would, like tourists would come into town and he was the experienced bear hunter. So they, so people would always find their way to my dad. And then we would take them out on hunts and help them go get bears. Wow. Yeah. So my, my job as a kid, I spent a lot of time with my dad running around hunting and fishing, learning how to survive and stuff like that off of the land. And when we would go on bear hunts, we would do it with vehicles. So it was a lot like the military. We'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning and uh, be on the road by four o'clock in the morning and kind of convoy out there. Right. So we would go out there and my job was, I was one of the trackers and I would, um, you know, when you'd hunt bears, typically it was in the winter time. So there would be some fresh snow on the ground uh, sometimes. And then you would look out, I'd keep my head either out the window or just like observing the road from inside the car. And I'd be looking for track while my dad was driving the roads with the dogs. Oh my God. So I, I can you know, visualize I, that in my head, dude. Yeah, yeah. Little Jeremiah just looking where, yeah. How, what would yeah. you say when you'd see one? Um, I would just spot it out. I would say, got one, or I would say, hold up, stop. And I just tell them the command, you know what I mean? So we could stop and check it out. So either one of two things would happen. Either the dogs would smell a bear before I saw a track, or I would see the track before the dog smell the bear. Okay. So, um, one of those two things would happen. And then, uh, from there you basically are confirming how close the bear is to you 
um, meaning like whether it's in proximity, whether you can get out and chase after it or because the dogs pick up the smell of a bear that sometimes they can, if you have a dog that's a really strong nose, they can pick up a bear that's like a half a day walk away. Holy crap. Right. So you're basically when you, when you find, I'm getting in, I didn't know I was going to go into this part, but no, anyway. I love it. All right. So, um, basically either I would see the track or the dogs would pick up the scent of the bear and then we'd get out and depending on how the dogs responded to the track and to the smells of the bear, we would decide whether to pursue it. Hmm. Okay. So if they are very aggressive, if they started barking aggressively and, and getting excited, then that meant that the bear was probably pretty close. Okay. But if they were, you know, looked at it and they smelt it and they got interested, but they weren't excited, then it meant that that bear was probably maybe a couple days away from where we were currently at, a couple days hike. Dang. Okay. So um, either way, our job was to get the dogs close to the bear by either following the track or letting the dogs out to go follow the scent and, um, and pursue the bear that way. So again, the my child was was spent a lot like that chasing down bear and then in the off season we were training the dogs for bear hunting so in the in the summer my dad he would get bear hides and he would tie them up he would keep them he would keep them in the freezer and um we had hound hounds that we used to work with and he would take it out take the hide out in the summer and then let it thaw out and he'd tie it up to a rope and we would jump out of the truck or we'd go down to the lake we would jump out of the truck. We'd have the dogs in, in the dog box inside of the truck. He would kind of tuck away behind the brush and we would get out. We would run and then we'd drop the bear hide on the ground and then start dragging it with a rope all the way to a tree. And then we'd hang the hide up in a tree way out in the woods. And so my dad would let the dogs, let the dogs go, like help them find the scent of the bear and then release them so that they could find where the hide was at in the exact tree. And so I was, my job as a kid was to run the bait the dogs and help my dad with all the labor and everything like that. Um, I, I share all that cause that was my upbringing and what I really wanted to do. I, uh, I always admired successful people. Like we had a little bit of cable TV and I would see sports on TV, right? Like NFL players, basketball, whatever. And it was a black and white sit on the floor kind of TV, right? It wasn't anything fancy. It was one of those ones that used to put on the carpet right? Oh, I love box this, ones, man. Right? I, yeah. With the antenna and everything. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I would see sports on, on occasion and living in this small town here, I was playing in the woods, running bear hunting, and I would see all these successful quote unquote athletes on TV. And I, I would really want to do what they were doing. Yeah. And it really hurt me inside because I didn't think that that was meant for me. I didn't think that success was meant for me. I thought that was like, when I saw these athletes, I thought that they had something that I didn't. You know, and I, I, I looked at them and I said that it was almost like they were on a whole nother planet. Yeah. Right. And then here I was out in the woods doing my thing. So I always deselected myself from wanting to be an athlete, but I really wanted it and I wanted to be successful. So anyways, what, what I mean by that is that I didn't really start dreaming and start desiring success until later in life. Like I would see these athletes on TV, I would want it, but I would deselect myself and kind of be like, no, that's for them. That's not for you. You go do this over here, bear hunt, play in the woods. Maybe you'll get a local job, like with the labor, with the the county or the state or something like that. So well, and how many people do that, right? Every, everyone does that. Everyone yeah. deselects. Yeah, big time, big time. Um, so, you know, because I had three brothers, um, 
I wrestled a lot with them. And when I got into high school, some of the older kids, they convinced me to come out and try out for the wrestling team. <clears throat> oh yeah. So I, so I tried, uh, I, uh, yeah, I tried out for the wrestling team. I did pretty well. And I said, all right, I'm going to keep doing this. And after a couple of years of doing wrestling, I, I was getting beat a ton. But then eventually I just started learning from my mistakes, studying great people. And I started beating people. And I started getting confident. I went to some summer camps and that turned into an obsession. I started getting a lot of confidence and I reignited um, some inspiration inside of me. And mm. I started dream chasing. I said, man, I want to be an athlete. I want to go to college and I want to wrestle. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And I, and by my senior year, I was beating everybody that I had lost to my freshman year. And I get to the regional qualifying tournament for state. And in my head, I'm like, man, going to state is like going to the Super Bowl, right? I'm like, man, if I go oh, to this yeah. thing, dude, I'm, yeah, you know. Yes. So I uh, put a lot of weight and pressure on myself to go to state that year. And I say, listen, if you go, I make this like conditional agreement with myself. And I say, if you qualify and go to state, Jeremiah, that means you are good enough to continue on and go to college and wrestle and can make this a career. If oh. you do not, you're not good enough. Oh. And I was, this is a story I was telling myself all over. And um, so I'm training and I remember it was like my senior year and I, it's in the winter time and I'm running around my small town, which has like a two mile radius, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm wearing all these clothes, sweating. Oh yeah. I'm yelling, empowering affirmations to myself. Like you're going to be a champion. You're going to be a champion. Oh, that yeah, early. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was, so I was doing it as a, as a kid. And then um, that ended up taking me all the way to the regional qualifying tournament and I ended up getting, I, I, uh, so if you know anything about wrestling, if you lose twice in a tournament, typically you're out. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. And so I ended up losing to this guy, this kid that had been wrestling since he was in diapers. But when that happened, I still had a shot to go to state because in order to qualify for state, you, they took the, typically they took the first and second place winners of the regional qualifying tournament. And when I lost that put me in a bracket where I, I could only earn the top place I could earn was third place. Right. However, if you took third, historically, you were allowed to compete for what was called a true second match, which means that the second place guy, you could go yeah, toe to toe with him. I love that. Yeah. And now, so I got beat by this guy and I got put to the other side of the bracket. And now I'm all of a sudden, I'm fighting for third. And I'm like, okay, all I got to do is win third place. And then the guy that gets second, as long as I have not wrestled him, right? He's not the guy that beat me earlier. And that, that dude takes second place. All I have to do is beat him and I'll go on to state. So I'm like optimistic, right? And actually the guy that ended up that was, that was going for second place or first place in that example, I had beat him earlier in the year. Oh boy. So I was like, I've already beat him and he beat me as a freshman, sophomore, junior, but earlier that year in, 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 uh, in freestyle, I, I just mopped him up. And so I was like, man, this is a sure end. I just got to win third place and then I'll go ahead and knock out number, number two and then I'll be gone and I'll go to state. So I end up in this match for third and fourth and I go into double overtime with this guy. Oh no. One of the hardest things that I've done in my entire life and I've ran 103 miles. Okay. And it was one of the hardest, most defining moments in my life. Double overtime, everything on the line. And it's the second round of, the, of double overtime. And... um. The clock is counting down 10, nine, eight, and it gets to like four seconds and I take this guy down and I win. Yeah. Yeah. And so I beat him and I get third and I'm like, yes, 
I'm going to state, baby. I'm going to go beat number two and I'm going. And as soon as I walk off the mat, my, my coach, he comes up to me and he says, Hey, Jeremiah, congratulations, man. But I got to tell you something. They're not taking true second this year. <gasps> and, um, that crushed me, man, because, you know, I had, I met, I, I assigned such deep meaning <sighs> to going on and going to state that year that felt like my dream was absolutely crushed. And, um, basically they changed the rules that year instead of taking the top two people, they were only taking first place that year. And my coach didn't want to tell me because he didn't want me to underperform. He wanted me to give my best. And so he just withheld it until the end. And I found out after that match. And so I was absolutely crushed. You know, I thought that I would, my value in myself completely disappeared and I didn't know what the hell to do. So mm. I ended up drifting and, um, I can get into the next chapter, but basically I ended up going to community college, spent two semesters there, came home when everybody was like partying in the afternoon, like we used to do. And I just said, enough's enough. I can't do this anymore. I can't live this kind of life. Yeah. And I ended up dropping out of college. I joined the military and, uh, then that was the next chapter of my life. So yeah. that's how I, that's, that's how I grew up, man. <laughs> no, man. I'm so glad you shared that. I didn't even know any of that. Yeah. Chasing bears, man. <laughs> yeah. What the heck? And I love the visual of you geared up with the yeah. sweats and oh, probably the plastics and trying to lose weight, running around your entire village. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I yep. love that visual, man. Yeah. But it's so humble too. But that's what makes you so like amazing and heartfelt to all of us, man. Like you literally grew up in an atmosphere where you had to work so hard for everything you got. Yeah. So it makes sense how come vacations and this little nugget and this little thing and this little success means so much to you now. Oh, big time, man. Big time. And, and honestly, I just got this. Why your dogs mean so much to you. Yeah. I yep. get it now. Yeah. And man, oh, this is this is sharing your voice, man. Like <laughs> I I've known you for like five years. Yeah. And I never knew that. Yeah, people see me like I do I do my suffering Saturday workouts and people always see me doing stuff on suffering Saturday, like walking yeah. around barefoot in the snow, and they're like, yeah. Why is he doing this stuff? But I'm like, bro, I, this is kind of like how I grew up. You know, like I used to play in the snow barefoot. I used to yes. like it, a lot of that has to do with with uh reconnecting with with where i come from you know yeah and that's so key like we can go there it's so important to remember i talked about this on one of my reels on instagram a while back because i was reading this book and it, it talked about shadow work in a way that i'd never thought about it before and it and it told it told me like to embrace that version of me maybe that i wasn't as proud of before because it's still me oh yeah big time like that the the embarrassment you know i have an embarrassing thing i went to state my junior year i won the state championship my junior year and then my senior year because i was dating this girl and she was watching me in the stands i lost the first match my senior oh, year at state 11 to 1. Mm embarrassment yeah that's like what the hell 
Yeah, I went over in the corner of the Coliseum and I put my hood on, my purple hood, and I just cried and I just sat there. Yeah. Did anybody from my hometown come and check on me? No. No. Some random dude came from a different town over to me. He goes, Matt, you will always be a state champion. Yeah. No one ever can take that away from you. What a good, that's a great Learn from this. Yeah. Learn from this. All right. Yeah. And, you know, when, when things like that happen, we just want to throw our wrestling shoes away. Yeah. We just want to throw every like yearbook, everything that reminded us of that experience away. And well, yeah, I we get so, we get so caught up in the result of things. Sometimes like we identify with the result, people that I coach all the time, you know, work, have this challenge too. And you see this with the athletes, you see this with the military, they attach their identity to their results. They attach their identity to their occupation. They say, I am this, I am that. And when, when I don't win state, I'm not a state. No, you, you are your effort. You are not the result. Mm. I always tell people that, that I send into military selection. Sometimes I work with those guys. I say, listen, no matter what happens there, you are not the beret that you get awarded afterwards. Okay. You're not passing selection. That's not, you're not the SF. You're not the operator. Who you are is you are your effort. Mm. The person that put in the work prior to selection. So identify with the effort and not the result. Yep. Yeah. I was just reading uh wooden's book on leadership. A great book. And it, it, it's, it's all about, that's what he's all about is effort. Your best effort, your best, your best effort in the moment of whatever your best is that in that, that moment. And your true best, not this bullshit, like social media meme, like, uh, I gave my best thing. Like, no, no bro. Like, you know, when you gave it, giving your best is black and white. If you walk away Response. and you think that you had, you gave a little bit, like you didn't, you have some left in the tank. If you walk away and you think you have some left in the tank, you think you have some left in the tank. You did not give your best. Mm. Okay. It's black and white. You either know, you know, you, you gave your best or you did not. And that is the true best that we're all after. And I think that's one reason why we like physical sports so much because uh, we know that there's always more in the tank. Yeah. But, you know, you do the suffering Saturday to make sure you never forget that. Absolutely. You know, it's like me running with the 20 pound vest every day and yep. doing my push ups and my sit ups. It sucks. It sucks. But the fact that I do it every day is a great reminder dude, this is just who you are, man. And, yeah. and, and uh, Jeremiah, I love what you do with your clients and the people you coach. I, I love watching them go from where they start to where they finish. Yeah. Um, we got about 15 minutes left. Can you kind of tell people, uh, some of the things that you do for people and then also, kind of where people can find you and how they can sign up with you and what you offer. Yeah. My, my business is really unique and what I help people with is really unique. Um, basically what we do is we help people get what they want, you know, and if you can, and even if you're not clear about exactly what you want, we can help you get clear about it, about what it is. Um, and now not only will we help you get it, but we're going to help you collapse the timeline to getting it. Okay. Most people are going to spend decades chasing the thing that they have inside of their mind. And our goal is to do it in days. Okay. Turn decades into days. Um, and all of that really stems from me uh, 
learning how to succeed the hard way, right? Through constant failure. Um, you mentioned share with people where I'm, where they can connect with me. And then we can dive more into kind of the story of how Conquer was born, if you'd like. But uh, basically, yeah, and I, I, also the event that you're going to be doing in a bit. Yeah. So I have a couple of things going on right now. Um, best way to connect with me is Jeremiah Sullivan. On, at Inst on Instagram. So it's just at Jeremiah Sullivan, J-E-R-A-M-I-A-H-S-O-L-V-E-N. And um, I respond pretty much to anybody that sends me a message and um, I'll help you out every single time. That's my goal. Mm. And then I have a couple events coming up. I do leadership, mindset, and business events. Um, those are called Conquer Quest. And then I also have launched a recent event called 33 Hours with Nathan Mansfield, where we're building high value men. Um, and, and high value, a high value man is somebody that masters health, wealth, and relationships. Um, and it's a 33 hour selection that's designed to break somebody down and transform them mentally, physically, and emotionally, mm. um, so that you can achieve higher success in your life. And, uh, anyways, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about the events that I do and that's where people can find me. But, um, what do you want me to dive into next? Uh, well, <clears throat> you have the Conquer Academy. And if, if someone wanted to join the Conquer Academy, how would they go about doing that? Well, I'm selective with who I work with. True. So you got to be the right type of person. But we have, a, we have a free discovery call and strategy session that you can sign up for to either get yourself unstuck, to figure out a strategy, to collapse the timeline to your goal. Basically, if you're a type of person that is searching, if you're looking for the next step and you feel like you're missing something, and you're positive, optimistic, and you're coachable, all you got to do, go to conqueracademy.com, sign up for a free strategy session. On that call, I've trained my team to do um, a deep dive into your situation. You got to be ready to answer some tough questions, okay? But they're not, don't be so scared of that. Just just be honest, come <laughs> forward, and say, like, they're going to ask you about, like, what's going on in life, you know what I mean? And if, so if you're closed off, you're not going to get anything out of the call. Right. So you just share with them. It's not a therapy session or anything like that. You're just going to share them a little bit about what's going on in your pr profession, a little bit about what's going on in your personal life. And from there, you're either going to walk away with free next steps to get you on track, or you can explore what it's like working with us professionally. But it's conqueracademy.com and just sign up for a free strategy session there. Okay. All right. So I know what I want to ask next. Yeah. Uh, so we all have like this moment in our lives that, um, made us go, okay, I'm going to do this. And so for you, what was the moment that was that you can think of that was either like a tragic moment or something that you had to go, okay, enough with the bullshit. It's time to go all in on me. Yeah. There's two moments. So after I uh, graduated high school and dropped out of college, I joined the military. I was an enlisted soldier and I was doing basic labor like I was a basic laborer pretty much. I was making like 1500 bucks a month. I was a private and I was an engineer. Okay. I was an engineer, meaning like I was, I was responsible for building roads and patrol bases and stuff like that. So, um, what ends up happening is I go to Iraq and I'm there for 15 months. I turned 20 and 21 in Iraq. Holy crap. Yeah. I actually met my wife when I was there too. We started, became, became friends. We started dating. We got back to the States. We got married. And we've been together ever since. So th this is 2006, 2007. And I go overseas to Iraq and we had a young officer in our unit that gets, he got killed. Mm. All right. He got hit by a roadside bomb. He was, I think, 23 years old, if I remember right. 
And when that happened, it was like a wake up moment for me. I started really looking at how fragile life was. I was, I wasn't in a combat role when I was over there, but I was exposed to combat, meaning wow, somebody like this officer in my unit, they came getting killed and IEDs on the, or uh, mortar rounds on the, the patrol base and stuff like that. I was around all that type of activity. So uh, there was one night I was in the city called Bakuba and I was laying down. It was about two o'clock in the morning and we had just finished this patrol base uh, build. So I was building a, basically a um, small campsite for the infantrymen who were a couple blocks away, clearing the village that we were next to. So I'm, Jeremiah is doing construction, laying down on his back with his body armor on, his gun on his chest, his helmet down. It's two o'clock in the morning. I'm laying in between some Jersey barriers, some concrete barriers, and I hear the gunfight going on a mile away. There's, there's Apaches flying in, there's oh, gunfire, yeah. all that type of stuff. And I'm over there and I'm thinking about all this stuff that's going on during the deployment, the young officer that was killed, that combat. And I had this moment where I was thinking about how I was living my life. And I said, man, what the hell am I doing? I was like, I should be over there. I should be in that gunfight. I, I had this warrior's call to change my track in life, to change my direction. And I started, I felt like I needed to be, I wanted to be on the offensive. I wanted to be part of it. And that moment shifted my entire life because uh, I decided to apply for the Army's Green to Gold program. I created the dream of getting into the special operations community. And um, I had a, a really hard time believing in myself because I had failed at being a, an athlete, hmm. but I still confronted that terror barrier. And I kept, I didn't deselect myself. I said, I'm going to try for this anyways. And I went in for this, I went towards the special operations community, um, applied for the Green to Gold scholarship i got in and i mean through a lot of failures i ended up getting approved and about seven years later from that moment i got a, a i got my shot at going to the ranger assessment selection program so i i got in i went through the selection they do psych evals all this physical evals and i was approved to join the 75th ranger regiment man so i was like i got into the nfl is what it felt like yeah and then after that, I was um, assigned to a platoon called the Bad Mothers Platoon, which was in the Second Ranger Platoon, uh, Second Ranger Battalion. Um, and then we were selected to go overseas and do high value target raids. Wow! So not only was I in the Super Bowl, but our platoon was like, or not not only was I in the NFL, but our platoon was selected to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And uh, so I went over there, did those missions, and came back. Um, after that deployment, I basically had accomplished my dream, right? It was like, wow, all dreams end. And, um, I started searching a little bit and long story short is I went through a rough period after that deployment. Cause it was very kinetic. And, um, I started searching for what I was going to do next in life. I found a mentor who helped guide me. He helped me unpack kind of some of the baggage I was carrying around and get some more direction. And I created a new dream and I started thinking about entrepreneurship um, along the way, I ended up running a hundred miles. And on that race was when I had my next epiphany that I was going to get out of the military and become a high performance coach and help others succeed in their personal and professional lives. And so I ran a hundred miles. I signed up for the race on a Sunday. I mm. ran it the following Saturday. It was a six day mm. train up. And, um, I had an epiphany that it was time for me to get out of the service and fulfill my purpose in life, which is changing. Wow. Other lives. And I remember that story. Cause I remember you told it 
was it like mile 50 or 60 and you just went to the woods and laid down yeah it was actually earlier than that it was mile 20 i got i was, <laughs> I was at eleven thousand feet altitude i probably was close to having hape high altitude pulmonary anema and i was way out of my league as far as the event goes and uh yeah at mile 20 i was so dazed and confused i basically went to go lay down like a wounded animal like i was like man i'm, I'm gonna get so anyways i pulled off to the side and ended up pulling it together that was that's a whole another story in itself but i ended up finishing yeah. the race yeah we'll, we'll we're gonna get that story the next time we do this <laughs> yeah so eleven thousand feet altitude 103 miles <laughs> well i mean god you you are so equipped to coach people yeah I agree with that. Be yeah. Because, <laughs> I don't like to pat myself on the back. No, but I've, no, no, I've, no. I've, but I only teach stuff that I have experience in. Yes. You know I mean? Yes. Yeah. And, and I love like how broken you were. And I love the visual of you laying on your back. Yeah. With fully armed and you're yeah. laying on your back. Yeah. And you're hearing all this stuff and you're thinking about this guy that just died and you're like, man, where am I at? Yep. What the hell am I doing right now? Yep. I mean, I, I, the inspiration that happened after that moment, going to the tents, going to like talk to your superiors, being like, okay, we got to do something different. Like yeah. I, I just, the, the courage it took for you to face that, to be yeah. like, no more. No yeah, more. and it's really it's really about the courage in your in yourself. Like, yeah. like telling them is tough, but admitting most people like if you because I work with a lot of people about dream chasing, right? Like I, that's my goal is I want people to chase their dreams and I want to help them fulfill that. And when you ask somebody what their dream is, people start shaking and trembling sometimes. They're scared, yeah, they're, they're scared. scared. They're scared, and I've been there before too. So the hardest thing that you can do in life is just admit that something that you want to do something, right? Just mm -hmm. accept it. And you're not going to say you want to do something that's not meant for you. No, that's true. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not going to <laughs> say, I want to do something that is not meant for you. So if you Ugh. want to do something, it is meant for you. I, I think that that comment to the people that stayed this long on the podcast is the one that all of us need to hear every day. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's like, why did God give you that dream if it's not for you? Bro, my mentor told me this, Major Steele. I have this, one of my characters in my life. Um, I've had a lot of great mentors and I grouped them all up into one character called Major Steele. I love that. And, and I bring all of his lessons. That's a lot of the stuff that I teach my clients. And he is the reason why I've, I've been able to do what I've done in business. I've done more in, in the time that I've been in business than people have done in decades in theirs. That's and true. the reason why is because I had great mentorship. But the reason, the thing is I want to share with people and you and everybody that's listening is that something he told me, he said, Jeremiah, you know, something is meant for you when you find peace pursuing it. Okay. It is meant for you. Not you meant for it. It is meant for you. A lot of people are pursuing goals and they don't ever stop to ask themselves, is this goal meant for me? Is this goal deserving of me? Hmm. Like, what are, you, what are you exchanging your life for right now? 
if you're exchanging your life for a goal that you're not even interested in, why are you giving that goal your attention? <laughs> so you find you, you, you know, you know, something's meant for you. If you find peace pursuing it, just remember that. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's apply this to Matt Bertho's life right now. Right. Cause I, I felt it. Yeah. You know, I, I just resigned at Winfield high school. Um, I'll be done end of May. Congratulations. Thanks. And I, I love my brothers and my sisters that are entrepreneurs that say that out loud. Congratulations. Congrats. Because a lot of Yeah. But a lot of them say it like that, like you said it. But in the last 11 days, I've reached out to people and they want to work with me with their voice. They, they want to they make their voice better. And I get such excitement out of helping them on these calls. Yeah. And I get this peace that you talk about. Um, peace and purpose, man. Yeah. Peace in purpose. And there's a freedom in that, man. Because right after this call, I'm going to go run three miles again. Yeah. And that's freedom. Yeah. And, and you have freedom like that now. For to sure. be able to go to Florida or to be able to go to San Diego um, with your wife and your dogs. And, you know, like, I, I want to take my family to Walt Disney World and Walt Disneyland and uh, watch Max and Leo, you know, enjoy it. I think, but, I think freedom is doing what is meant for you. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think, cause there's a period in your life where teaching was meant like the thing for you at the time and you've evolved now. And just like me in the military, I was free, even though I was in a nine to five and I was working, not even that. I mean, it was seven days a week type of job for me. And it, it, you know, the military can be like a prison sentence from time to time, right? Cause you're on an installation. Mm -hmm. You can't really like physically go where you want to go. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I was very free when I was in the military because I was when I started pursuing my dream, I started pursuing the path of getting into the special operations community. I felt liberated. I felt free. Okay. So what people need to realize is that you have something inside of you that is seeking expression. And if you don't allow that to express itself, you're going to, oh. you're going to feel like you're dying. It's going to feel like, you know, it's, it's just you're going to feel empty and dead inside. But the moment you allow that expression to come forward, you will be free. You will release yourself from bondage and you will become free, even if it is a nine to five type of thing. I and think the, last thing, the doom wheel, is that what you called it? Called it the doom loop. The doom loop. Yeah. I think if people feel the doom loop, something needs to change. Exactly right. You, know, you need to pay attention to what's inside of you that wants that's seeking expression. I love that. That's all you got to do. Um, I always like to tell people, listen to the whispers. Mm. You know, your negative voice, your negative voice is going to be loud. It's going to yell at you. The, the purpose in you, the, the spirit in you, the, the dream in you, it's going to whisper. So you need to listen to the whispers. You guys need to give Jeremiah a chance to help you follow your dreams and get them and catch them. Right. And, and I'm here to help the whispers be out loud so that you can speak your truth. Yeah, that's good. And so you got two guys here that literally battle 
we battle ourselves every day, but also we love you. We care about you. We want to help you. And Jeremiah is a good, great man. He's a great husband. He's a great leader. He has a big, giant heart. And Jeremiah is the kind of coach that we need in the world. And, and I, I uh, man, I just want to thank you for being my friend first because it's hard to find good friends that are true friends that are not fake, that are not phony, that respond, that communicate and speak truth to you out of love and say the things that you need to hear even when you don't want to hear it. <laughs> right. you, you've done that to me many times. I know I've done that to you a couple times too. For sure. But thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to say to the audience today? I mean, the main thing is what I kind of opened up with, which is life is not meant to be lived. It's meant to be conquered. Okay, so if you are in a situation that you're not happy with, if you're feeling even the slightest bit discontent, you need to go inward, do the dark work, the deep work like you were talking about, Matt, and you need to figure out what that is. Listen to the whisper. Let it come out of you and confront it. It's going to be scary, but it's going to be worth it. Okay, and the newsflash is most people are tiptoeing their way to death. Okay, so you're, none of us are getting out of this world alive. And all that I'm asking is that you spend some time figuring out what your dream is, allow it to come forward, work up the courage to pursue it. And then one step after the next, it's all it takes one step after the next and just do it courageously, fight courageously, because what else are you going to do if you don't? You know what I mean? Mm, you're going so that's, that's yeah, to tiptoe exactly. to death. That's exactly. what you're going to do. And it's going to be. It won't be that adventurous. It won't be a journey. It will be very boring. And the doom loop. Yeah, that's exactly right. Jeremiah, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, I cannot wait for people to hear this. Um, <laughs> we are definitely going to do this again. I haven't been on your show in a while, so we could do yeah. that too at some point. But uh, you guys... Jeremiah's the, the real deal. He's a great man. He's a good man. And uh, I'm proud to call him my friend. And I'm excited to watch the 33. Yeah, 33 hours will be good. Yeah, I'm excited to watch that. Two, two dudes, two bros that I love a lot are going to be leading yeah. and inspiring. Man. So thank you, Jeremiah. And you guys, please give Jeremiah a follow. Reach out if you need some help, and thank you for listening to the show.